Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast, Saturdays with Sam and Bucky, as we break down the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode number three, Power Broker, uh, which was one hell of an episode in my mind. So from here on out, we are going to uh, enter spoiler territory because this is the most watched and most popular show of 2021. Really? Based on science, uh, based on a poll, based on a lot of things. And it makes sense. Um, WandaVision was great. We all know that. We talked about it for 18 weeks. But I don't think it hit with the majority of main Marvel viewers. Whereas this is 100% what people expect Marvel television and movies to be like. This episode, like I said, number three, called The Power Broker. This was written by John Wick's creator, Derek Kolstad. This is the first episode that he wrote and it shows because um, we got a female John Wick in this uh, this episode, and I hope this week uh, you'll be able to talk about her because uh, she's a focal point in this. And I'm talking about Agent 13, Emily Van Camp, Sharon Carter, uh, because we haven't seen her since Civil War. But let's kind of like just dive into this action-packed episode as we start in America. Yeah. And then we go to Germany, and Zemo is there, and we kind of knew what was going to happen. We knew that... Bucky and Sam were going to recruit Zemo or at least seek out some some information from Zemo. And we got that. What we didn't know is that Bucky was going to orchestrate a prison break yeah. for one of the most uh, intense Marvel villains in the comics and in the Marvel universe. And then we bounce over to a big city in the Marvel comics, Madripoor, over, over in um, the Indonesian islands. And uh, we see what the power broker what his range is, what his control is, and how much power he has. And this episode had some great cameos. It had some great twists. It had some great moments. What were your thoughts on the episode? I loved it. Like you said, it was very Marvel. Like, we got a lot of action. We got kind of a snarky Zemo, which I loved. You know, he's sinister, but has kind of like a, not a comedic tone, but like I said, kind of like a smart, snarky tone which I think added great to the uh, contrast of Bucky and Sam. Yeah, Zemo was super arrogant in this, yeah. and we, we got the fact that in a line of through-passing dialogue that Zemo is a parent. Yes. You know, it kind of changes the whole thoughts of what we got from Civil War when we saw Zemo, who was kind of, he kind of looked like a just a normal dude mm-hmm. who had a family, who was just doing his thing living his life but they were all through voicemails you know we didn't see the the flashbacks of him probably living in sokovian castle and just being a beast but i was shocked when they were like yeah um you're rich he's like yeah i'm a baron and i was like oh shit baron zemo has officially been introduced into the mcu in one dialogue sentence yeah you know when he they came up and he's got the plane and he's got his uh sokovian Alfred sitting there waiting for him. And that outfit he had, oh, I loved it so much. Like, he had, besides the, the mask itself, just the coat and what he was wearing, like, he just commanded swag as he was walking onto that airfield. I was like, dude, we got, this is Zemo. This is the what I've been waiting for. I don't think he was the swag god of this episode. I think Pimp Sam was. No, he was when he was. What, Smiling Tiger? Which is an obscure reference. It's like a Z-list New Warriors villain. Like, as soon as they said it, I was like, okay, that's got to be somebody. Because I've never heard of Smiling Tiger. I looked him up, and yeah, yeah it, in the comics, 
he came out in 92 and he was a animal human hybrid that smiled when it killed its victims and i'm like okay but yeah no he definitely looked super sweet he was swag daddy in that in that outfit yeah this episode it, it had a lot like the travel aspect we didn't get a lot of john walker but what we did get was the do you know who i am john walker yeah where it's less Captain America, more U.S. agent, more arrogance again through John Walker. The string, and I, it's not even a leash because he's not on a leash. This man is full free range, mm-hmm. do whatever you want for the government. But his patience is growing thin. And we don't know what's going to happen in the next episode, obviously, because we're not fortune tellers. But if anything shows up with you know footage of the Winter Soldier going berserk in that club... He's going to get even more pissed that the fact that Sam and Bucky are steps ahead of him in finding Carly and in finding the power broker. So I think that's going like we're seeing the unraveling in a short period of time through the new Captain America, where I think he's going to seek out one of those unused 20 super soldier serums. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, they didn't use 20 of them. Now, let me ask you a question. Did Emily Van Camp since, you know she's in this episode did she look extra strong to you in this episode yeah she was definitely more physical than she's at you know in in the previous uh movie that we saw her but she she was badass and the one thing we found out is like where a lot of the avengers got pardoned she's been on the run she's she's a criminal at this yeah. point and she went to madripoor and she's selling stolen art which is crazy, but which is also a very lucrative mm-hmm. criminal underground. Like, that's how you get your money if you're a criminal. I think Kingpin was doing that for a while as well. I want to hit you with a um, – this is not what I think is going to happen, but this could be a really fun twist. What if we're being misdirected about the power broker? They keep using the pronoun he, mm-hmm. right? What if Emily Van Camp is the power broker? I was kind of thinking that, especially after the second watch – I watched it twice, and I just watched it like 20 minutes ago. And watching it, and when they go into that like museum type, and I'm like, man, she's really powerful. And then I was like, whoa, what if, what if she is the power broker? Because when they get done the whole scene in the um, the port with all the containers, shipping containers, she's got a car waiting. Yeah, she gets into the car and she goes, "We have a problem." And like she's. In the backseat of the car. Yeah. Like, she has a driver. She has an Alfred. Everybody gets an Alfred in this episode. <laughs> yeah. But she had a car waiting. Like, this was strategic. This was planned. This was – she knew where to go and where to be. And I don't know if that was just an absence in scenes where, like, she called a car off camera and then the car came. But she seemingly had a car waiting. And it could be – this – again, this isn't what I think the power broker – who the power broker is. I actually – and I was talking to uh, a buddy of mine, and we both are kind of on the same page uh, that we both think that the power broker is Thaddeus Ross. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would— Because th- think about it. Nagel, the doctor who was in charge mm-hmm. of this, said that he was recruited by the CIA, right? Yes. And the CIA, once you know he was blipped, he came back. What if Ross, who we haven't seen yet, has just given up on the CIA like— Everybody else, everybody has to kind of flip their mind on the the super superhero aspect. Emily Van Camp is an anti-superhero person, 100%. And what if Thaddeus Ross was just trying to 
create more superheroes, but we're seeing this we're seeing this heel turn, and he's the power broker. That would be awesome. Because we know he's still in existence in the MCU. And that would because I don't think we'll ever see him as Red Hulk. So that would be a cool kind of twist to that character is making the power broker. Um, I didn't think. I don't know. I I think I think we do see him as Red Hulk. Really? I do. I I think that it's going to change. I don't know how, but maybe this, if he is truly the power broker, maybe this is the the birth of him, where the super serum soldier serum, where he's, you know, obviously Nagel's dead. Mm-hmm. Zemo is a villain by heart, so he kills Nagel, and um, maybe the power broker gets kind of frustrated and gets like whatever sample he has and hits it with gamma rays to make it stronger, and takes it himself, and that's how he becomes the Red Hole. Okay, that would be cool. I would like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot of what-ifs in this episode. And like I said, uh, I kind of think one thing with this show, and then I watch the next episode, and I'm completely wrong. And that kind of goes to surprising moments for me was um, Carly blowing up the building. Last week, or the, this past Wednesday, I thought that we were going to see kind of a face turn for Carly and that she was going to become Nomad. She killed a bunch of people. Yep. Just and said, this is the language they speak. She is evil. She is a bad character. She is a villain, and I'm fine with it. Uh, Nomad would have been cool, but this isn't a comic book. I don't think there's a place for Nomad in this universe. This is a standalone series where I don't know if it gets a season two after this, but um, I think that this is good for Carly's evolution because her blowing up that building was great. Uh, did anything surprise you in this episode? That that definitely because we were just like I said we were. Just- or you said we were just talking about how you thought she could be, you know, good. Um, the Sharon Carter stuff surprised me of how that she's kind of like in this underground world because, you know, she worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. and she was, you know, Peggy Carter's niece and Miss Red, White, and Blue. And now, you know. Kissing her uncle. <laughs> yeah. But now she's kind of leader of this underground type scenario and she has a big question mark on her especially because of that last scene what we talked about where her getting in that car yeah do you think she comes back oh yeah in this episode or in the mcu at all um i think she comes back in this series definitely i don't think it's the last we've seen okay. of sharon carter yeah if she doesn't come back in this series um she's definitely going to come back i think we see her again if not in this series i think we see her in hawkeye and uh the hawkeye series yeah that'd be cool madripoor plays a big play uh part into the hawkeye kate bishop storyline okay. And even if it's not not just the Hawkeye Kate Bishop time, we already know that they're going to explore the time where Hawkeye was Ronin. So I think that would be a cool yeah. little give up on superheroes. Hawkeye gave up on superheroes, became a vigilante, and Sharon gave up on the world of superheroes and kind of called bullshit on it and became who she became, who we kind of don't know what's going to happen. But there's one other thing that kind of shocked me. Well, not shocked me, but was a very cool surprise. Um, Io showing up at the end yeah. where uh, where Bucky finds the Kimoyo beads. And it didn't surprise me in a sense of that Wakanda was going to get involved in this. Yeah. I wasn't expecting Florence Kasumba to be in this. I was expecting more of um, Mich- or Michonne uh, Okoye to show up because she's the leader of the Dora Milaje. But... I was excited because they were kind of peppering in, in this episode, a lot of Wakanda. And even last episode, they did the White Wolf, White Tiger, mm-hmm. whatever they wanted to call him, or White Panther, I'm sorry. Um, they peppered that in. They peppered in the King T'Chaka dying. There were a lot of lot of Wakandan Civil War tie-ins in this episode. And when she popped up, I was like, oh, this is so good. So good, so fast. 
But what bothers me is we are a third of the way or halfway yeah. through the series, and they just introduced Wakanda again. Zemo is a villain, but still kind of helping the heroes. And the power is kind of changing. We're seeing the power change in many directions. Falcon and Winter Soldier have more power than Captain America and Battlestar. Zemo has more power than Captain America, Battlestar, Falcon, and Winter Soldier because he knows more. And Carly is slowly getting more power than the power broker because now he doesn't have the doctor to create the serum, but she has the serum. So there's a big shift in power. So we don't like – in this – I know there's a character – the power broker again 50 cent curtis jackson <laughs> i don't know if this is just like a kind of a double entendre for this episode where there are so many power brokers and there's not enough power to be distributed uh, evenly which is kind of crazy for me um so let me ask you a question we know zemo's bad mm-hmm. but he's helping right now yeah is this setting up thunderbolt zemo oh that would be cool because you know right now he's I wouldn't say an anti-hero, but he is helping the heroes himself. And, I mean, the main reason, too, is, like, he, he's very knowledgeable of the whole situation. And he's got – now that they know he has money, he has a ton of resources. Um, yeah. You know, they can fly around the world undetected in his jet. So, you know, him helping is – it could be a Thunderbolt turn um, because he's – like I said, he's – He's evil. We we definitely saw that because of he killed the doctor. Um, in his mind, he's doing good. I think personally, I think Zemo is going to kill Bucky. Really? I do. Oh. I, I'm again. I, I've talked to a buddy about this, and he's eighty percent sure that uh, Bucky's dead in this. I'm more sixty percent, but there's that forty percent that I think that the true Winter Soldier is either still frozen or somewhere else, and I think we're seeing a scroll. Okay. Oh. Because they have to int- keep introducing scrolls into this universe because secret invasion's coming up. But, um, again, that's that's 40%. I'm going to hit you with my favorite part, and I want to hear yours. My favorite part was the bar scene yeah. when the B- Winter Soldier was unleashed. Yeah. And, again, like, it's still kind of, like, they keep saying, you know, they keep setting this up, and it could be a huge red herring. The Bucky turns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and Zemo even says, like, look how quick he went back to what was comfortable for yeah, him. Yeah, he also said when they saw him in the thing, he goes, I still see something in there. Yeah, because he tried to use the, the keywords. Yeah, and he's like, old you – I forget what he said, but, like, he in, – in layman's terms, he basically said, like, there's still something left inside. And I don't think – like, I don't think anymore that he's going to become the Winter Soldier of old. I think we're going to see a new Winter Soldier, and I was super stoked when he said that he was going to take the shield. Yeah. That was the first time that he officially said it, and throughout history in the MCU, they have toyed with our hearts of him becoming Mm -hmm. the Winter uh, becoming Captain America. Even when he held the shield in Winter Soldier, we were like, oh my god, what a a look into the future. Maybe this ends with him becoming Captain America, and he has a Tony Stark moment and sacrifices himself. Oh, no. That'd be crazy. Because... And it would be sad because he's been in this since 2011. Like yeah. him and Paul Bettany were have are the longest standing MCU characters. Yeah, with that speech that Sam gave, with Sam was basically like, "Cause you're thinking Sam's gonna take it." He Sam's like, "I should just destroyed it." Yeah, yeah, they're both kind of. It goes back to what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. There's bigger repercussions for yeah. Sam. 
Um, he's got a family. People know his family. Bucky's by himself. You know what I mean? And we've learned throughout history that if you have a family, they're the first people targeted. Speaking of family, that was the kind of scene that I I wouldn't say dislike, but I kind of like scratched my head about is when they were in the... Selby? Yeah, she's a new character created for this show. Yeah, I couldn't... I looked her up. I couldn't find anything. But she... Like when they're in there and their phone rings and it's like his personal cell phone and it's Sarah. And I'm like, why would you bring that? Like one, you know that John Walker can track Red Wing. So if he can track Red Wing, they can hack your phone. So why would... But they don't... No, it might be... it. You're saying personal cell phone. Sam's smart enough to know that if they're tracking it, maybe it's a burner. You know what I mean? He just kept Sarah's in there for emergencies. And then that was kind of cool when he was kind of like trying to play off though i did like that part when he was trying to be a pimp on the yeah he was like i'll kill the bank i'll kill the banker (laughs) and then she was like whatever and then she's yelling at chase for cheerios and then selby's looking at him and she was like okay sam and that's when they died but who do you think killed selby i think it was sharon so do i but they never really Open that door. Like, you know, she was sniping those motorcyclists, but like, is she super fast now? Because that's a lot of space to cover. I mean, if it wasn't Sharon, it's her organization or whatever she's part of. The power broker. More power broker right there. He he or she is watching. We saw it on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, that huge tag that was sitting on right in front of the bar. But like you were saying, your bar scene, I really like the bar scene too. But my favorite part was probably the container scene with Sharon. When she went full John Wick. Um, yeah, I mean, she shot people straight in the face. That's what I saw. I was like, wow, this is uh, totally different than the MCU we're normally seeing. Uh, yeah, that, stabbing them in the butt, shooting them in the face. It was so weird. That had a, a John Wick vibe. And the other John Wick vibe that I thought um, was after Selby died that quick, people were getting cell phone tech, texts yeah. like, and putting a hit out on them. And I was, no, I mean, from the bar scene all the way to the, the end of Sharon scene, both of our favorite parts, it was yeah. John Wick. Even the motorcycle chase scenes. Remember yeah. John Wick 3 when he's on the motorcycle no. and he's got the samurai swords? 100%. I, had, I mean, this episode was great, but it definitely had Darren Kolstad's stamp all over it. Yeah, Darren Kolstad is fantastic, yeah. and it's a shame that he's not going to be back for John Wick 4 and 5, but Marvel should just continue to let him do this stuff because this is my favorite episode of the three. Yeah. Uh, mainly because it was more action-packed than anything. But I think that this really opened up the scope of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this opened up more questions than I thought I had in WandaVision Episode 1. You know what I mean? The main one circle, circle, circling around the power broker, who is Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, could, could you? He's going he's gonna to rise up and he'll be, uh, he'll be the power broker. But let's go to some Easter eggs because, again, this series isn't really – huge on easter mm-hmm. eggs like wandavision was but there were some and we kind of talked about it uh, let's just start with the civil war tie-ins again we saw bucky's trigger words we saw a few of them they didn't start uh they didn't have an effect on him i know he was like using he was like volkswagen jetta golf like he was just going off those words that didn't work t'chaka call back again uh big setting up uh, io's appearance and then not going to move your seat up <laughs> when he gets into the back of zemo's uh, supercharged scar and and Bucky's not going to move his seat up, and it was right there when, you know, they it was Civil War again, another Civil War callback when Sharon was mm-hmm. kissing her uncle. I'll never let it go, Marvel. I'll never let it go. Uh, Baron Zemo. We'll talk about him. We know he's rich. He's connected, and then we kind of see a lot more. We see that he's a, a good tactician when he's on top of the 
first of all, when the containers blew up, I thought he was gone. Yeah, me too. I was like, I was oh, like he here split. we go, heel turn. Yeah, he, I was like, he, he's not going to come back. And he comes back showing that he's kind of had a change of heart about these two guys that he's working with. But he still hates super soldiers because immediately I would have just killed Bucky if, if I were Baron Zemo because they stand for everything that he's against. Both of them. I would have killed them both. But he decided that he was going to get on top of those uh, containers and show that he's a great marksman because he shot those guys quick. And he's really good hand-to-hand. So we're seeing the evolution. We're seeing prison Zemo come out pretty quick. And then we also see the purple mask, which was <sighs> so comic book accurate. We talked about it in a uh, – in our preview, we finally get it. He hasn't worn it yet, right? Did he wear it on top of the? Yeah, no, he did. The when, containers. When he went in the container and he saw those guys, he put the mask on and then he right. shot them. That's right. Uh, we saw the Kamoyo beads again, which were breadcrumbs for Io's appearance. We also kind of see a callback to Sokovia, where it was kind of ravaged by its neighbors, and it. The little foreshadowing to the scene where Zemo is at the uh, memorial, the statue. Yeah. In the last trailer that we saw, he asked Sam and Bucky, who weren't even part of Age of Ultron, if you went back and saw it. And they're like, silent. And he's like, no, I'm sure you haven't. So we're going to see that callback where he eventually goes back to the site of Sokovia, which is great. Um, Then we got a Winter Soldier callback with Steve's notebook is – the notebook that Bucky's been using. Mm -hmm. Do you think, as he was reading that list, do you think that Zemo saw his name on the list because it's on there? I'm sure he did. But never made mention. Yeah. But he's like a snarky, sassy little boy. (laughs) I would have made mention and been like, why am I on this list? You got to make amends to me? Yeah. And maybe maybe there's a change of heart there. Maybe he doesn't kill him because he saw that Bucky's trying to right his wrongs. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, more MCU callbacks. We got Red Skull and Dr. Erskine. Uh, their names were dropped, which is great. And then there was Skull Island. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, one, do you think it meant King Kong, a comp- like King Kong Skull Island, uh, a huge competitor to Disney over at Warner Brothers? Do you think it meant that Red Skull had his own island? No, I, I straight up thought because they were trying to kind of talk like how uh, Magipur in the. 1800s was like a not like a fictional place but it was a pirate town yeah and that's when he said skull island so i'm thinking it was more the the kong reference i don't think it was had anything to do with red skull well here's what i think i don't think it's about the movie um there is actually a skull island in the marvel cinematic or in the marvel universe over by the savage land Okay. which we have never been mentioned to, which would be an awesome exploration yeah. uh, in Antarctica. So maybe that's what they meant. But I don't. I can't see them dropping a... Although Flash did drop um, She-Hulk in their last episode. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? The biggest Easter egg was Madripoor. Uh, Madripoor is a key location in X-Men comics, uh, appearing back in New Mutants number 32 in 1985. It's been associated with Wolverine. It's been associated with... Clint Barton and Kate Bishops, both their versions of Hawkeye, and it's been a kind of a a huge spot for for mutants, mm-hmm. and it would be it kind of seems like it's a huge spot for criminals and blip refugees, because we saw that Carly and I can't remember his name, but the other guy uh, seems to be second in command over at the Flag Smashers. They were there. That's where they grew up. That's when they came back from the blip. They went there and they became villains. So it seems like 
the Charles Xavier School for Criminals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the Princess Bar that they went to is also associated uh, in Marvel Comics to Logan because his girlfriend um, at the time, Tiger Tiger, a.k.a. Patch, ran it instead of Shelby. Um, I think that would have been a very cool little tie-in if they had a character named Patch working there. Okay. And that was like the, the first breadcrumbs of the X-Men or mutants being introduced in the universe. But I get it. I get it. Did you notice the monkey sign? I did. And I was like, that's got to be something. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a lot that could go there. Um, it could go back to a Captain America run, which was where Crossbones took Cap's girlfriend Diamond back, where he kidnapped her and took her to this place called the Brass Monkey when he was kind of hiding from Captain America. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Hit Monkey. <laughs> now, for Marvel fans, that name should ring a bell. There was supposed to be a series on Hulu that never made uh, yeah. never made made any production. But also, Hit Monkey is a character in Marvel who is one of the most feared assassins in the Marvel universe. So, where would you put the most feared assassin, Hit Monkey, in a city of criminals? That would in be, Low Town. I didn't think about. Like I said, when I saw the image, I was like, okay, they kind of focused on that. I mean, briefly, but I was like, what was that? Um, I didn't think of Hitmonkey, but that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see Hitmonkey, although we did see Cosmo, Howard the Duck, and we are focal point, or Marvel focuses on weird characters like Rocket, Groot, Korg, Meek, those characters. It could happen. Maybe not in this series, though. I mean, Um, if if they have Hitmonkey, maybe it's a guy that it's like a call sign. It's not really a monkey. I mean, I would absolutely love it if it oh, actually no. were a monkey. Uh, so to see I. Sam's face when it's a, a monkey assassin with that trench coat and like kind of a mullet, I'd be here for it. Let's talk about Pimp Sam for a, mis- uh, a minute. <laughs> uh, that's actually a character. Yes. Sam, in an alternate universe in Marvel, they retconned the meeting of Sam and Cap where Sam was actually a pimp. And they were like, this isn't going to work. We can't do this. We can't have Sam as a pimp. It's not a good look for one of your main characters who becomes a hero as a pimp. And uh, they dropped and said it was Red Skull trying to rework the 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 Marvel Universe through the Cosmic Cube. So I think that that was a cool little callback. But instead, he was actually Conrad Mack, the Smiling Tiger. Again, you, you made mention to it. Um, he was the arch nemesis of the New Warriors. And he was one of the big bosses of the underworld of Madripoor so it really does a good job of factoring these z-list i'm not talking d-list these no (laughs) smiling tiger is a z-list hero yeah or villain have you and he was he was there have you ever heard of him before this i have i've read a bunch of um captain america comics and he has appeared in um one or two crossovers with the new um the new warriors yeah i definitely never heard of him yeah i mean you know me i'm big on these obscure characters Like Big Bertha, she, I mean, you're still trying to date her over in uh, <laughs> our anniversary or our, our Valentine's episode. Uh, and then one of the bigger callbacks, we got Trouble Man goes back to a whole discussion mm-hmm. between Sam and Bucky and uh, Zemo. They both, all three of them loved it. Um, but Bucky's a big 40s music fan. <laughs> and then finally, we have uh, Dr. Nagel, um, who is 100% associated with the Marvel comics. He is in comics, and he is the man behind the Isaiah Bradley testings. So when I want to know if I'm understanding this right, when Wilfred Nagel says we've worked on a semi-stable test subject, mm-hmm. did you think Isaiah? I didn't, 
Because Nagel is so much younger than Isaiah. But he was blipped. So you don't age in the blip. Yeah, but it's only five years. I mean, Isaiah's in his look like he's in his seventies, and Nagel looked like he's in his mid forties, fifties. Okay, so let's go back to Isaiah was in prison for thirty years, right? Yeah. So if we go fifty years from now, that would have been what sixty-one. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah fought the Nazis in the fifties. Got thrown in the prison for thirty years till the eighties. That still gives Nagel time in his residen- or residency or whatever early twenties to work on Isaiah. Yeah, I just thought he was kind of. We're not saying they were born at the same. No, time. no, 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 no. Who I, else would they have used? I don't know. I mean, they they wouldn't have mentioned Isaiah last episode or shown Isaiah last episode. Brought Nagel in, talked about this on the stable test subject. And then at the end, Sam mentioned Isaiah after that. Yeah. So I think the test subject was Isaiah, and that's what we're seeing with the superior soldier serums. Like, that's Isaiah's blood that they, they took from him. So and he he made, like, again, in that episode, he said, like, the U.S. government tested me, and your people weren't done with me. And Nagel, I believe, said he worked for Hydra. Yeah, he did. Oh, I so, I mean, Hydra doesn't really care what... What your age is? He could be a fifteen-year-old prodigy and just baby Sheldon it, and went in there and did it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, it definitely makes sense. But I just thought like his age wasn't appropriate. But yeah, if he was a child prodigy and you know being a scientist at you know fourteen, fifteen years old, it makes sense. Or even twenty, you know? Yeah. You never know. Um, but the last thing I will say about that is um, we didn't mention it last episode, but that's. Isaiah's testing is based off of a real-life event um, called the Tuskegee uh, Experiments. Mm-hmm. So I would implore people to to research that. So it's a it's crazy, crazy, crazy world that we lived in. But that's it, man. That's all that I have. And I'm curious to see what happens next episode. I don't know when we're going to see the Power Broker. It'd be great if it were at the end and it were Ross and he recruits Zemo and he's got all the power and Zemo kills Bucky and Sam becomes Captain America, and Torres, who is already Falcon minus the call name, becomes Falcon. But I believe next week we're going to see the culmination of John Walker's frustrations. Yeah. I think he's going to get word that, I mean, him and Battlestar both said, well, he believes that Bucky and Sam broke out Zemo. Battlestar is like, I don't think that, well, you're kind of seeing that Battlestar is more optimistic than Hoskins. Or he is Hoskins, than Walker. Yeah. And Ho- Walker is more of, I don't know, he's becoming more of an asshole. He is. And the one in the the first scene when he cursed, the first thing I thought was language. Like, Cap- yeah. Captain America don't curse. But no, he, yeah. he we're definitely, I think there's going to be a wedge set um, push between Battlestar and Captain America. I told you what I think. Yeah. I think he kills uh, kills Battlestar. I, after this episode, I could see it. And I think it's only through roid rage and frustration because Battlestar doesn't trust him. And then especially he, what Captain America said was like, we're going to do whatever it takes. Like, I don't care what the laws or governments are. Like, we're going to do whatever it takes to get this job done. And Battlestar's not on that page. No, because he's a good guy. Yeah. Who just kind of got roped in because his friend... Is Captain America now? 
Mm-hmm. It's it's so weird. It's so weird this dynamic between these two. But uh, next week I think we're going to explore it. But that's still next week. We'll talk about it next week. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday as we talk about Godzilla versus King Kong. I have seen it. You are about to see it in a day. We will be back next Saturday with episode four breakdown. You can follow us on social media. You know where to find us. Um, listen to Galaxy Wars whenever we come back from our little hiatus. And yeah, that's it Uh, for the Active Geek Podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.